Good morning, my lovely Soma Mama listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. I believe we are on episode 22, which is wild and wildly abundant. I love the number 22. I alluded to that in the previous episode. And you know what? To be determined if this is the last episode for the season or if there will be more. (laughs) Um... I acknowledge I hold the agency to decide whatever that will be. Um, but thank you. I just want to take a moment for to thank you for listening, for tuning in today, for sustaining throughout an entire episode of this podcast, for sharing with others, um, and for for letting me know like what you've gained from an episode or what you like about listening. I so appreciate that and I want to come back to my philosophy and my intention here which is if this podcast reaches one set of ears and changes alters that that person's perception or validates that person's experience in some way shape or form then then my goal has been met I feel affirmed I will have felt validated in in sharing in this way um and I'll expand on that a little bit I shared on social media just about a week ago um the podcast and how you know I've had several people ask me like that's so awesome I've never had a friend who started a podcast before or you're the only one I know or what made you start a podcast and really my answer is something along the lines of it was an accountability buddy to start with as someone who has struggled sharing my voice verbally writing is another story that's no problem I can do so um, with with less trepidation and with more more clarity and confidence Um, but speaking verbally has felt challenging for me Um, And this will perfectly tie into our topic today, which is on trauma. Um, So, you know, it was like, sweet, one one foot in front of the other. Let's let's do the dang thing. Let's start this podcast. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be concerned initially about my equipment and all the things I need or I already don't have. Right. Because as we know, especially those of us who are anxious already can get caught in that spirals so I was like well I've got a phone I can record voice memos on my phone I can transfer that to my computer okay let me look at the processes of has as to how to start a podcast I can look at you know platforms online thank you Google Google makes our world so easy and convenient these days so that has been the domino effect and I know I've shared with you the actual some of you listening the logistics step-by-step logistics so if you are curious to know more please reach out to me and I'm always happy to share um yeah so then it just became this beautiful platform to share my stories my experiences and those of others which really excite me and i'm continually excited um, by sharing stories uh, with the guests that come on the podcast so similarly if you feel called to come on the soma mama podcast please reach out to me via email um, via my website contact form via social media um, those that information will always be popped into the show notes um, so you can refer to it there and without further ado let's get into this episode today
again. My name's Courtney. Welcome for the first time or welcome back. And I am recording this episode today kind of off the fly. Um, I've written some notes here just mainly of resources that I'm excited to share with you around the topic of trauma. And I will do two things in this episode. I will share with you my experience with some big T, little T traumas, and I will also share with you resources and um, modalities that have come into my life in my own self-healing process um, with the hope that maybe they will resonate with you, maybe um, they will be of interest to you, maybe they will just inspire your own um, thought, somatic-provoking process um, to really bring insight into the things that um, will help you uh, know yourself better, will help you unfold and unravel trauma, be that mentally, be that physically, be that spiritually. Um, Yeah, there's so many ways. So I want to start off by sharing really kind of what inspired this this episode today, which was um, my partner and I decided to both take our kiddo to daycare this morning. Typically, one of us does drop off, one of us does pick up. Um, it's actually our kiddo's birthday today, so we were like, let's both drop off. And as we were walking out the door, uh, well, even before then, um, our kiddo, it's been a tougher transition for him, so he <laughs> does the, the old koala bear cling like as you um or as I am about to leave and he starts crying or tantruming and um for those of you who are parents and have gone through that it's it's not the most easeful process by any means um but there's there's so much trust and surrender and knowing that um, your kiddo is in, is in good hands and also is in, is in their own process and experiencing these emotions that, that are very normal and, um, right? Separation, sadness, separation, anxiety, um, those are very, very normal feelings to be validated, um, from the parent to child perspective. So anyway, we go through that process, we walk out the door here I, here I am um, with my partner standing in the parking lot, and he goes, um, he goes, it feels, uh, what did he say? He goes, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what he said. It feels good, doesn't it? And immediately, like it was so quick, and I, I was quick to realize too, um, so instead of reacting, I was like, I looked at him with this kind of this bewildered face and he was like, like to have someone love you so much, they don't want you to leave. And I like had this little grin on my face and I kind of smirked and I was like, wow, I was like, I totally, my initial take was that or initial interpretation was that was a spiteful comment. Like, um, it feels good, doesn't it? Like, as in. Um, knowing that, like, okay, how do I dissect this? Knowing that our child cry, and this is going to 
probably to some of you sound backwards. You're going to be like, what? Um, but I have a punchline here that our child also cr- like cried when I dropped him off and also when our like my partner dropped him off, right? So like the validation of like this twisted way of like, yeah, it feels good when he cries, right? And I was like, I thought it was like a backhanded comment of like, oh, see, like he cries when you, you leave him just, just as well as when I leave him. And I was like, wait, 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 again, this all happened in like this not even 30 second internal process and hence the bewildered look. And he was like, no. And then right away I was like, man, I thought that was a spiteful comment. He was like, what? Like, how would you think that's spiteful? Um, And obviously at that point I understood what he was originally trying to say, which was what he did say, which was a very love-provoked thought and comment. Um, But he was like, why would you? I don't even understand how you would interpret that way. He wasn't, again, tone can be... um, portrayed different ways by a podcasting so he wasn't angry he was just like what um and all I said was like trauma bro and he was like and then the first thing he said was like get that trauma out of your body get that trauma out of your system um and of course then we just kind of like giggled and went on our merry way but that's a lot happening right there right like just in the moment of dropping kiddo off at daycare and I want to shed light on how that could have gone down so much different, so differently, right? With a trauma-informed lens, right? Like, partner could have said that to other partner, to me. I could have gotten so triggered. I could have hopped in the door and, and um, or car and slammed the door. Or, but yeah, I could have decided to walk home. Um, you know, I could have been raging somatically, like warm temperature, warm cheeks, red flush skin, um, and perhaps my protective mechanism that was learned was like, don't say anything. So silent treatment, I could have totally like silent treatment, treatment, it treatmented my partner. Um, I walk us through that maze and that map because it's important to know that trauma surfaces so differently for all of us it is incredibly varied and I'm not going to outright say we all have trauma but I'm also going to outright say we all have trauma right and I want to dissect trauma um, into two categories which are often referred to as big t traumas little t traumas okay so the big t traumas being more um and here is an activation warning for those of us who listening who have experienced any of these things. But physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, like a nar- like an encounter with a narcissism, um, which has endured a lot of emotional or mental abuse. Um, any instance of like kidnapping or maybe your house burnt down with your pet in it when you were a child any form of loss or death um, can all be in the big t category and in the little t category could be um, and I don't want to undermine these at all but microaggressions on all levels um, be it um, due to race due to sexual orientation due to religion due to class uh, due to gender or sex um it could be 
stubbing your toe, right? That's a somatic, like, little T trauma that feels like a big T trauma in the moment, um, right? But that could set your whole day off kilter um, or your body. Um, that could also, like, sp- spiral, maybe going to bed late. And, like, this is, this is more anxiety than trauma, but I want to just paint the picture of how things can spiral. Like, we, something maybe happens in the evening or our dog gets loose and runs away. That's, that's, that can be traumatizing because you don't know where your dog went. Well, then you, your evening routine gets, um, set off because you're usually in bed by 8.30, but this, this evening you're in bed by 11. So not only are you laying in bed 11 later than usual, but your adrenaline is likely still pumping. And then you might have the mental spiral of, well, shit, now I'm not going to sleep. Now I'm going to have a bad day tomorrow. Um, you know, again, domino effect happens from there. Um, so I will also name that the word trauma can be activating for some folks, right? It can feel like trauma. What? What are you talking about? I don't have trauma. Um, um, or it can be like, Ooh, I know I have trauma. That word is activating. I don't want to talk or hear about it. And just with a large amount of grace and compassion, I want to validate those experiences, those two experiences, right? As well. They are both equally as important and, um, they're a part of our, everyone's journey, be it in this lifetime, um, dealt with or not, um, yeah, in unraveling and un- unfolding trauma. Um, so I'll continue just sharing anecdotally a couple more examples for you just in an effort to like, for one, for you to relate, but two, for you to, um, kind of get the gist of this, this whole trauma thing and, and the lens that I've brought, um, and the way in which this lens has helped me understand and dissect my own life. Um, so another example for you here, um, is this was about a year or two ago. We had a friend visiting, um, we went, took him out to breakfast and my, my partner, um, and I, and our friend and, um, on the way home, right, this is like less than 10 minutes from our house, I thought that we, my partner was driving, I wanted him to go one way, and he decided to go another way, (laughs) and there was some bickering to be had, like, I, this is, no, this is the way I'm gonna go, like, don't backseat drive, blah, 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 um, and in the moment, cognitively, I knew, like, this is childish. I don't want our friends sitting in the backseat to think that this, these are the things we argue about, which, in all honesty, does tend to be the very menial things. Um, but I, in my body and in my emotional experience, I was experiencing, like, visceral rage. I got so mad. I mean, I sealed my lips, but inside I was so mad and... Mo- what I wanted to do in the middle of the like intersection stoplight, um, that was very heavily trafficked, um, was to just get out and run and run home and not say a word and not explain. Um, and as, as I look at that now, um, yeah, that represents the need for safety and security and, um, protection and, um, 
Dr. Bessel Vandercock has a book, The Body Keeps the Score, that I've, I've referenced before in the podcast, and I bring it into context here now, and because both he, um, Dr. Bessel Vandercock, and Gabor Mate, um, who's just released another um, book, which I'll link in the show notes along with his documentary, The Wisdom of Trauma, um, advocate on behalf of the body holding the wisdom, the body literally, quite literally keeping the score, right? So in that moment uh, where I felt so powerless and angry in a car, it's likely because that felt so, like that reaction felt so unwarranted, um, and I don't want to discredit it by using the word unwarranted, but it almost as if it came out of nowhere. Like, why am I so angry that my partner decided to take um, another way home? And... This also, depending on the individual, could be dissected in so many different ways. Like maybe it's that I felt powerless and that he he or she or they didn't listen to my voice. Uh, I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel acknowledged. That wasn't really the instance in my case. Um, it was that I connected times in my life when I felt powerless in a car, right? So it helps to bring in the context, the environment. And that was as a child um, with my father. Um, and this is not in any way to speak ill of him and, and his own life journey, but he is an alcoholic. So you can imagine as a child noticing, even as young as six or younger, um, that he was inebriated and was swerving. Um, I'd be sitting in the back seat, clenching onto the handle just praying we'd make it home okay and, and wanting to get out of the car. Um, and I also want to point out here, like, this is also to, to signify um, the wisdom of a child, right? Like, as adults, sometimes we think, oh, they don't know. No, they know. Like, even if they don't know, like, what alcoholism is or why, why mom or dad's driving funky, like, they know in their body in their experience, somatic experience, that something is off, that something feels different, that something might feel unsafe. Um, so connecting those two instances gave a lot of context and reason to like why when my partner and I, and I knew I wasn't in any imminent danger, why I had such a reaction that warranted such, such rage in my body. Um... Switching gears a little bit, another one example that I have for you um, is talking about my episiotomy. So I had a child, um, you know, pretty smooth birth experience. I wouldn't say the birth experience in and of itself was was tra- traumatic, um, but I did have an episiotomy and I was fearful about that going into birth, right? I didn't want anything to happen um, to my own physical body, obviously not to my child as well. Um, but selfishly speaking, I was like, I don't want it to be saggy or ripped or torn or whatever um, cut. And it was, and I was stitched and it was fine. Um, for those of you who don't know what an episiotomy is, it's it's typically happens. It's, it's cutting down from like the opening to the vaginal entrance towards the anus to help widen the birth birth canal um, for 
a baby to come out a little bit easier. And oftentimes you hear two women tear and it, it happens on their own, on their own and they have to be stitched any, anyway. Um, anterior tear, posterior tear, labial tear, um, all sorts of tears. But that tear for me, one represented trauma and I would say it was like a little T trauma. It was a little T trauma induced in my body, right? My body was cut um, in a way that evoked healing, in a way that evoked a lot of discomfort for my experience, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. So fast forward to six months postpartum, I landed back in my doctor's office crying, <laughs> requesting that she look at my episiotomy scar um, because it didn't feel quote normal to me. And of course she validated, no, like you were, you've, you've healed very well. Um, but what I am going to, to give you is a script for a pelvic floor, the physical therapist, um, which if that, um, if you as a listener can relate to pelvic floor physical therapy in any way, or that's calling out to you, I highly recommend it. Whether or not you've had a baby, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience to be had, um, and so it took me, like I, I made great progress in pelvic floor physical therapy and that helped a lot. And it also took my own like self-compassion, my own healing, my own talking about this, um, to help normalize it and kind of relieve the episiotomy experience from my physical being, right? Like letting this energy release from my body, um, to help heal that. And, you know, that's the thing with trauma and with healing. We, we can't put a timestamp to it um, such that maybe we can with the physical injury. And even that is subjective. So we might break our tibia and we have to be, um, or fi- yeah, fibia, tibia, tibia. <laughs> um, I always get them because it's tibia, fibula. Anyway, um, yeah. And we have to be in a cast for, the doctor might say, six weeks. And then, you know, there'll be like a procedure for care after that. Um, But with trauma, that's not, that's not the case, right? Um, All in our own time, all in our own way. Um, So here's where I'll transition to talking about a couple modes modalities that I've, that I know about, that I've tried myself, um, and that might be helpful for you. You may have already experienced them. Um, two of which are called, well, one EMDR therapy, which is eye movement desensitization reprogramming. Um, again, I'll link this all in the show notes. Um, and then brain spotting. So it, um, basically integrates um, both hemispheres of the brain and then also some sort of sensory input such as tracking your eyes or feeling buzzing or sound um, to help tap into the subconscious. So when you're, it can be fear evoking to go into the process because you're anticipatory of what will come out of it in terms of trauma being uncovered. Um, but the process itself is not, it's very simple and um, you almost, 
from a logical perspective, you feel like, how is this going to work? Like, what's actually happening here? And what often happens um, is the surfacing comes after your therapy session or after your EMDR session. So it might come to you randomly that afternoon. It might come to you in a dream. You might wake up. And here's where it can feel scary because we don't know what our somatic um, response might be to that trauma um, resurfacing, right? So it could be tremors, it could be sweats, it could be fainting, it could be crying, it could be screaming. Um, yeah, it could just be in a, a frozen state, right? We all have a different kind of nervous system, um, somato-emotional response. Um, the second is what is what I am a practitioner in, which is craniosacral therapy. And Stanley Rosenberg has a great book that, and he talks a lot about the craniosacral in it, um, the healing power of the vagus nerve, um, as well as I'm just going to integrate Dr. Stephen Porges' work in here as well. He created the polyvagal theory. Um, yeah, both of those come to, um, by high regard, and I will link them in the show notes. Um, craniosacral therapy, just to put it simply, works with the the cranium, the sacrum, the spinal column, um, helps invigorate uh, movement of cerebral spinal fluid. And then I am trained in a mixed modality practice, which incorporates fascial um, work and relieving, removing fascial strain from the body. Um, so that's all to say the craniosacral system, just think of it as like our brain and spinal cord, central nervous system. Um, otherwise what it's known as and it is like our central energy circuit um, and on the podcast prior I have referred to this being like um, a surge protector and which has several cords plugged into it and the analogy I used then is like um, yeah we can choose uh, we have agency as to which plugs we plug in and which plugs we we take out um, but um, bringing it back to craniosacral Right, we have nerves uh, plugging into the craniosacral system. We have basically it branches out to um, virtually every organ in the body, and so simply offering touch to the craniosacral system um, to really just tune into the body's ability to heal itself um, has done wonders for people. I am talking like, I know personally, someone who was hit by a train and survived and craniosacral therapy was the only modality that took away her migraines. Um, I know babies with, with tongue ties um, who have had their tongue ties relieved through craniosacral fascial therapy. Um, I know folks with high anxiety or depression who have, who have received abundance of benefits just from craniosacral therapy alone. Um, so these are just some examples to leave you with. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, just a couple more resources, a couple resources. Of course, these will all be in the show notes. Um, one of which is Louise Hayes' work, um, who is now deceased. Um, she is a wonderful, um, yeah, just scholar and being, and she 
combined um, emotional manifestation with physical manifestation. So she has this book called Heal Your Body A to Z, and it'll talk about, she lists like so many different um, physical ailments or diseases, excuse me, maybe even injury, and then she lists the emotional connection, emotional tie to it, and then she also offers an affirmation to kind of help um, neural reprogram that emotional pattern, and some might call it a limiting belief um, that's embedded within our soma to help us reprogram that and rid of that. Um, last but not least, another book that came to mind and within this topic is Full Catastrophe Living um, by John Kabat-Zinn, which is a wonderful, in-depth read. Um, yeah, just living in peace and harmony. Um creating that in our own lives because we all can it is available for each and every one of us we are beautiful sacred gifts to this earth um i was just on a call on sunday and um it was actually with um, colby's um Zwolowski. yes and she writes one degree revolution i will also tag that in this this episode um just about how so many sperm were released to create us and we were the one like it we were the one that was met with the egg that was created like that divine timing that divine creation is truly magical because what there's like millions of like sperm that are released um truly like just marinate on that for a little while how even in the depths in this lived experience of your sorrow, of your grief, of your loss, um, of your self-loathing, realizing how wonderful, beautiful, special, and sacred you are. All right, folks, I will leave it off there today. Um, please reach out if you have any questions, comments, um, requests. You will find my contact information in the show notes, um, info at soultosoulwellness.com, S-O-L-E to S-O-U-L, or soultosoulwellness, L-L-C, on Instagram, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Bye.